What is going on, my friends? I am back, and today I'm going to be chatting about a lot of random things. Why I don't chant at football matches, Champions League qualifications, Chelsea, how the men could learn a lot from Arsenal women, and much, much more. You wanted an Arsenal women podcast? Well, you got an Arsenal women podcast. Let's go. Welcome, welcome, welcome to yet another episode of that Arsenal Women podcast with me, your host, Demian. And if you don't know, this is a very much subjective, biased look into all things Arsenal Women from the perspective of me, a professional musician here in the city of L.A. And there's a lot to talk about, including, like I said, Chelsea and so on and so forth, as always. Before I get started, I want to thank all of you for tuning in, wherever you're tuning in from. Uh, it's been such a joy to be doing these episodes on YouTube now and not just on the regular pod. So I'm really, really excited about that. And it's been getting a little more traction than I expected. Not that it has gone viral or, or anything like that, but I had some sort of idea of somewhat uh, based on on the previous plays that I would get on the pod, uh, audio only, and now including those numbers plus the numbers that I have seen, uh, even though they're little, all of them help, and I love them so very much. So don't think that I'm all about the quantity of listens. I'm all about the quality of you, the listener, which is a completely different thing. But anyway, I'm just really thankful that uh, you are here. As some of you know as well, I have a blog. It's called That Arsenal Women Blog, and you can check it out. This is just the logo, but you at some point you can see it. And if you are just listening and you're not watching this on YouTube, obviously, thank you. And I'll try to be as expressive and detailed when I'm talking about something that has to do with any sort of graphics or anything like that. I am wearing a shirt. and You can see, but if you are listening only, this says That Metal Show. And this is the inspiration for the title of that Arsenal Women show. That Metal Show was a show that was on H, uh, VH1 Classic by my dear friend Eddie Trunk and Don Jameson and, and Jim Florentine that was all about metal music, uh, music that I obviously love, that I grew up um, being fueled by, inspired by. And because that's exactly how Arsenal Women made me feel, I figured I could mix my love for metal music and women's football, and that's why I have that name. And I don't think I've ever explained it on podcasts or such. But anyhow, let's get to it. We need to talk about Chelsea and how crazy that was. I have a few things to say about that match, and I'm curious to know what you think. So obviously, feel free to leave a comment below and interact with me on social media. But before the game started... I had written a blog about how I was daring Jonas to play Katie McCabe as a holding midfielder because I thought that with the absence of Leah Valti, which we all know how crucial that is, if there's a player in the squad of the current available, or even if many more were available, that could do that job as far as not only the technical ability, but the vision, but the leadership, is Katie McCabe. I thought that would it would have been an interesting choice. And he didn't do what I asked him to do. And I'm not saying that's why the girls lost by, by any stretch of the imagination. But the game was, it was frustrating for me because I didn't think that Chelsea were that much better 
and I think the 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 scoreline fl uh, flattered them a lot. And I believe that there were a few missed chances beyond be, beyond the penalty. There were a few mil chan uh, mi missed chances. Excuse me, that had we converted as um, American sports as that sounds, um, had we scored those goals, obviously the result would have been different. And I believe that we could have won the match. Possession was pretty even. I think at the end of the first half, it was 50-50. So, you know, I, I'm i not a, a bit big into match analysis per se, but the narrative that uh, Chelsea were so much better or that it was because of the injuries that we didn't win, um, I find that hard to believe because this is the same squad that pushed Wolfsburg all the way to the end. Uh, this is a Conti Cup winning team. And yeah, albeit with not every player, but overall the mentality is there. It's It's been Im very, very impressive. And I also thought that some players that have been super hyped in, in recent times did not play well. And I think this is basically sort of their standard, really. Um, I think they, they have a, a, some of them have a ceiling and I'll get into that. Um, maybe never because nobody asked me and I'm nobody to judge a player's ceiling by any <laughs> stretch of the imagination. But I... Overall, with, even with them in, in, in the team, I still think that we did pretty good. And, you know, I would never fault a scoreline on a, on a missed penalty. And if there's one player on, on the squad that can mentally withstand, on a sporting sense, a missed penalty, for me, is going to be Katie McCabe. So she's one of my ride or dies. So I just think that it was... Uh, you know, it, she stepped up and it didn't work out I and mean, it didn't work out. It's not her fault that Stina missed a one on one. Uh, it's not her fault that uh, Pelova missed headed a ball that could have been better. Uh, it's not her fault that uh, Caitlin Ford fell a few times and, and there was poor ball control by a lot of players. Um, so I'm not going to fault Katie whatsoever. Not now, not ever. And so obviously that led to or leads to my next point, which I try to not disclose that I'm reading some bullet points that I have. Um, but thankfully, you listening only don't need to see me looking elsewhere. But that obviously had a lot of impact in the WSL title race. And after that was uh, the, the Manchester Derby. And the result, we all know that Man City uh, could not capitalize and basically not gifted us, but we are able to claim that we will be qualifying for the Champions League next, next year. And <laughs> I do want to mention something going back to, to the Chelsea match. Um, I know that a lot of you that listen go to the matches in London and travel away as well, and it's beautiful. A lot of us here in the States, especially on the West Coast, like I'm in L.A., I the time difference is pretty insane. In some of these matches, I get up at 4.30 in the morning, 5 in the morning, and depends on the match and how I'm feeling. But I usually wake up an hour before kickoff so I can look at the lineups. And I can also try to figure out what I would do. And I read some news on Twitter and some pre-match interviews. And I want to know what some people are saying, if... Um, you know, Susie Rack has said anything, if Shaban has said anything, if, uh, you know, any news that maybe Faye Carruthers has mentioned or Karen Carney has said something. I, I, I want to read into 
the matches. And this match was at 4.30 in the morning. And normally I would wake up at 3.30, like I said, and do the whole thing. But I had a performance the night before. And it was a late night performance. Uh, it was a great show. I was able to play with um, an amazing guitar player by the name of Orianthi. She used to play for Michael Jackson. And we were opening up for this band called the Winery Dogs, whose members are some of my childhood idols. The drummer is this guy, Mike Portnoy, who uh, founded Dream Theater, one of my favorite bands of all time. He's no longer with them. But the bass player is Billy Sheehan, who played with Mr. Big, another one of my favorite bands of all time. And the singer, a dear friend of mine who I used to tour with, Richie Kotzen. And that's how I know the guys from that metal show. And anyway, it was amazing to hang out with them after the show and see some old friends. And it was amazing. But all that to say that even though the show was really far away from my house, I made it back at like 1, 1.30. And we had some friends over and we started, you know, catching up and hanging out and we were eating. I made a very late night pizza that I probably shouldn't have made. And I basically went to bed at 2.45 in the morning and I woke up at 4.30 on the dot to watch the match. And among the reasons why I don't do a match analysis, one of them is that I'm not that intelligent or I don't have the footballing brain, but also I was basically sleepwalking, watching the match. I try to pay as much attention as possible, but the reality is I was on like two hours of sleep and I don't remember a lot of things. So if I'm no one to be listened to as far as match analysis when I'm on full night's rest and all the energy in the world and I'm recently fed and whatever, if I'm not the person to listen to, then I'm definitely not the person to listen to when I've uh, slept for one hour or two hours or whatever. So that's one of the struggles of um, being a fan, you know, uh, uh, quote unquote, one of those champagne problems. And another problem about being a fan that I basically feel like I have in a way is the fact that I don't like chanting at football matches. And there are several reasons why that is. But I've always struggled with this idea of, of how something that I find so uncomfortable to do is one of the tenets of true fandom, right? And how... You know, there's these things that we need to prove in order to be a, a, a true fan, whether it's going to matches in person. Well, how can you do that if you're far away? Or chanting, or why would you do that if you are like me? So I posted about this on the blog, but here are a, a, a few of the reasons as to why I don't enjoy doing that. So one of them is that I don't really feel comfortable doing what a lot of people do at the same time. Uh, I don't know if it arises some sort of like insecurities or whatnot, but it's just like I, I, I have a problem, you know, just kind of following to a degree, uh, I wouldn't say a herd of people because I, that is a lot of the argument of, <laughs> I'm not even going to get into anti-vaccine, but I'm pro-vaccine and I uh, don't feel like, you know, it's the sheeple type of a situation. I just don't like doing what a lot of people in a big crowd do. It makes me a little uncomfortable. So, you know, I, I'm okay with sort of not belonging in that group. Uh, so that's one of the reasons. Um, another reason, which is probably the most important one, is that I don't feel comfortable singing in general. Even though I'm a musician, I don't love the sound of my own voice in a singing cap you know, capacity. 
obviously I have two damn podcasts and now YouTube shows, so I do enjoy the sound of my own voice, but not in a singing voice. So the fact that like I, I try to put myself in the other people's shoe, like, other person's shoe, like in front of me or next to me, and, and and like being like, what the hell is this guy? He can't even sing. It's he's screaming in my ear. It's off pitch. Like he doesn't even know the lyrics. Like it's just a mess. Excuse me. It's just a mess, and I don't. Um, particularly like that feeling I, I i don't love that so that's another reason as to why i don't why i don't sing and i also don't love hearing people because i'm a musician maybe i don't love the sound of people off pitch and it it it, it kind of grinds my gears a little bit so i try not to be in a situation like that or like when you're in a party and people are singing happy birthday that's like one of my biggest like get me out of here moments like it's not like oh my god these people aren't singing on pitch it's not that it's just like i there's like i hear what i hear is dissonance and noise and i have a hard time um, dealing with that and the last reason that i'll say and i'm only sharing these in case you feel this way you might you, you might not feel this way at all but among the reasons that i feel this way is that i don't like screaming and yelling and i don't like what it does to my voice physically like it hurts my voice so I don't do it. I've been to Wembley watching the FA Cup final when the girls needed the more, most support as ever. And I couldn't bring myself to yell, to scream, to do anything. I'm just kind of in my own little world watching, speaking to myself, um, you know, predicting what might happen. And I just don't feel this need to yell in somebody's ear. And anyway, that was just one of the, among the random things that this blog my blog is about and definitely that Arsenal Women podcast is about that it's not necessarily about anything specific related to match analysis and stuff like that and you know transfer rumors which I would love to get into by the way in this summer but anyway one of the last things that I wanted to mention was how to me even though I don't like comparing the men's game to women's game there's a lot of comparisons to be made and there are some things that are intrinsically linked among those things that I, I felt a need to talk about was this whole idea of Arsenal bottling it and Arsenal not winning the league and you know throwing away this lead and yada 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 and this is not something new right this has happened before we've had disappointing seasons uh the past few years obviously you know the past 20 years uh minus the FA Cup here or there I'm talking about the the men's squad and one of the things that I've said before and I've been a champion of is how the answers to a degree that Arteta might need lie with Jonas Eideval. And a lot of the answers that Martin Odegaard might need to find in terms of leadership lie in Kim Little. And, you know, when you, when you need world-class players like you know, Saka and, and, and Martinelli, for example, that are getting there will be world-class world class players. You have Viviana Miedema and you have Beth Mead and you have Katie McCabe to ask advice. And I would bet my life on it that they don't. And when you have a team that, yes, you're playing against the, the biggest financial dopers in the history of the, the game in, in Man City, and you still had a eight points clear and had a game in hand and you lose against, you know, whatever, Nottingham Forest and, and you tie against Liverpool, West Ham, et cetera, et cetera. A lot of those matches, I think, could have had a different result 
had they spoken to Jonas? Had they spoken to Kim Little? Had they spoken to Leah Valti? Had they spoken to Leah Williamson? Had they spoken to Noel Marit? Had they spoken to, you know, uh, you name it, Stina Blackstenius? Like, I, f I feel that th there's a lot of, you know, c collective uh, sort of posturing on, on media and the media and social media and, and, you know, one club type of mentality. And I love that. But I still feel that there could be much more. And it's more about, you know, them posing together. It's about the men supporting the women much more and talking about them and, and, and not only posting about them when there's a game at the Emirates. It's posting about them when the chips are down and they need the most amount of help possible and support. You, you, you're telling me that, you know, uh, players in, that, in the women's squad wouldn't love to hear a message of support by, by a, another player in the men's squad. They don't need it at all. And you don't need me to tell you this. They don't need any of that. But it would be nice, I would think. So if, if, if this whole, you know, sort of idea of bottling it and how you fail and so on and so forth, what, regardless of people's opinion, the, the men f failed to, to win the league. And maybe that wasn't necessarily the, the goal. And that is sort of the caveat to this is how we define success and so on and so forth. But I do believe that if there's more direct communication between women and men or men and women, and specifically if we just have the men listen to what the women have to say from a sporting perspective, if nothing else, come on, uh, we would have been done better. I, I 100% believe that we could have won the league, that we had the squad to win the league. And when you have... Uh, Viviana Miedema, Beth Mead, Steph Catley, Kim Little, Leah Valti, uh, uh, Leah Williamson, Laura Weinreuter, like Weinreuter, you, all these players injured for extensive periods of time, seven players or whatever, and then you had one player, William Saliba, get injured, and the whole season collapses. Do me a favor. Just go walk across the street or whatever it is and just talk to them and ask them. So what to do, how do they do things, mentality, anything and everything, the answers might be there. So with that said, I'm saying goodbye. Looking ahead, what can you expect? The same thing as always, that Arsenal Women blog. Every single day, every day I'm posting a blog about that. Sometimes they're long, sometimes they're short. It's always obviously related to Arsenal Women. I hope to share some uh, musical news in, in, in the near future. We'll see what happens. But again, expect the blog. Expect these uh, YouTube shows maybe even more often if I can do it, especially over the summer where there's not a, excuse me, there's not a lot of action going on and there's uh, the World Cup impending or incoming. So stay tuned. Thank you, as always. Thank you for your likes, for subscribing, for all that good stuff. I really appreciate it, and we'll see each other very, very soon. Thank you.